From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. This special Memorial Day edition of Washington Watch is our freedom that so many have given their last full measure to secure and defend at risk. We'll talk about it with FRC's Executive Vice President, retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, a founding member of the Army's elite Delta Force. Also, FRC's Vice President for Policy and Government Affairs, a graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy, Travis Weber, will join us for that conversation. We'll also look at the cultural threats to the freedoms that we hold dear with Mark Harris, Vice President of Ministry Associations here at FRC, and Pastor Andrew Brunson, Special Advisor for Religious Freedom now here at FRC. Then how can you respond to secure these fundamental freedoms? You have a role to play in this. David Clawson, director of our Center for Biblical Worldview here at FRC, along with uh, George Barna, senior research fellow with the Center for Biblical Worldview, will join us for that conversation. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on Gab, the free speech platform, it's at Tony underscore Perkins. And let me uh, let me encourage you once again, download the Stand Firm app. That way you can stay informed and engaged. Not only can you listen to Washington Watch right there, you know, from your pocket anywhere in the world, but through the Stand Firm app, we will uh, give you action items. You can get alerts to know when you need to take action to make a difference. Remember, our republic is not for spectators. It's for participants. Download the Stand Firm app. Memorial Day is not just a three-day weekend. It's a time for remembrance. It's a time for Thanksgiving. Being grateful that our country has had and still has men and women who are willing to give their Full, the last full measure of their lives for the sake of their friends. You know, it's what Jesus said, greater love hath no one than to lay down his life for his friends. On this day, we can and we should remember all the brave men and women in uniform who have laid down their lives so that you and I can live free. But the question arises, is our freedom secure? Are we doing what we should be doing to ensure that those freedoms that were fought for and won are being maintained. We all have a responsibility to play in that. So joining me to begin this conversation uh, is, as I mentioned, FRC's Vice President, Executive Vice President, Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, and FRC's uh, Vice President of Policy and Government Affairs, Travis Weber. General Travis, welcome to the program. Thank you, Tony. It's good to be here. Thank you. General, let's start with with you. Obviously, on a day like today, we want to honor mm. those in the military uh, who have given mm. their lives to secure and to defend our freedoms. But I think it's also a time where we find ourselves today in America that we need to contemplate and we need to respect that sacrifice that so many have made by ensuring that we're doing our part to defend these freedoms. Yeah, that's right. And we need to also understand that Americans don't know their own history anymore. Every man or woman that is is buried in one of these veteran cemeteries or anywhere in the country that has 
has given the last full measure uh, is is an American hero, uh, and and they they should be recognized as such. The problem is we don't know our own history today because uh, history has been removed from the public school system and uh, replaced with things like socialism and critical race theory and that type of thing. And uh, what I want Americans to know is that uh, there are people that have paid a dear price for the freedoms that we have in this country, for the freedoms that were given to us by the founders. And uh, today is the one day of the year that we ought to reflect on the sacrifices that have been made. Uh, Travis, I, I want to go to you. your thoughts as we uh, mark this uh, Memorial Day. A lot of people see it as the start of, of summer, but as a graduate of the Naval Academy, having served in our nation's military. For those of us who have served, it, it is, uh, it's more than just a three-day weekend. It is, Tony. You know, just thinking about General's remarks here, I'm, I'm reflecting on how, how important it is to, you know, for us to continue to protect a military environment and a military which itself is, can serve as um, a, a fighting force that uh, can still continue to attract Americans, those who want to be a part of defending our freedoms, defending our country, as opposed to something else, as opposed to a place to go for, for objectives other than that, uh, whatever they may be. You know, I, I mean, I remember how much you are united with with those you're serving with when you're so focused on the mission and so focused on what you're called there to do. That's what that's what creates a bond between fellow service member, and that's what's attractive, and that's crucial as we look, uh, the, you know, towards the way ahead, uh, even as we reflect on our history at this point. Well, I want to go back to that, General. You mentioned the history, and that we're not being taught history in our schools. Uh, you know, American students, you know, just not getting that history. But it's not just our schools, uh, our nation's military. You mentioned the critical race theory. That's a real issue right now. In fact, you and I have talked about that before. That is a threat to our freedom, is it not? It is a tremendous threat, Tony. As, uh, as I have mentioned before uh, publicly, the morale and the esprit and the cohesion of any military organization, whether they're on a ship whether they're in platoons uh, on land, um, is the equalizer in battle. The, the, the fact that they are together, they're brothers. Uh, they, they, they honor each other's service. They respect each other. And in a, in, a, in a way that only a warrior will understand, they love each other. And when you destroy that cohesion, you are destroying the very fiber of what makes us win on the battlefield. And that's what critical race theory is about. It's about division. It's not about unity. We're seeing once again, Travis, in our military, um, the targeting, uh, I'll use the term persecution, of men and women of faith, in particular chaplains. Uh, but we all, also just recently saw a Space Force commander who was fired for speaking out against the, the, the Marxism that the general mentioned. Um, it's becoming difficult in our nation's military for men and women who are willing to sacrifice and lay down their lives to serve this country. Those that are that have that Christian ethic, that Judeo-Christian worldview, are, are, are in some ways being driven from our nation's military. Yeah, it, it's certainly more of a threat. You know, in talking about you know these these issues, Tony, you're alluding to a few examples recently. I mean, one 
Lieutenant Colonel Lohmeyer in the Space Force um, fired for for basically giving his view on the indoctrination that's occurring, Marxism, uh, critical race theory. You know, he's accused of, of political violating the political uh, regulations against political involvement. But what he did was express his view. You know, and, and this is it's it's ironic in a sad way that you have individuals who disfavor views being targeted. Meanwhile, the military itself indoctrinating members, as General noted, with a divisive uh, ideology, the very opposite needs to happen. We need to protect individual views and free speech, but unify around uh, military ethic. General, we've had many conversations over the years on our military, especially uh, prior to the Trump administration, during the eight years of the Obama administration. You know, there was attack after attack, um, primarily driven toward uh, religious conviction. But given where our nation is today and the acceleration of this leftist agenda that is now targeting our nation's military, I know that a lot of mem- military members listen to this program. I I hear from them, and I know that they listen. What would you say to those men and women who currently serve in our nation's military with how they should respond to what is taking place in our nation's military? Well, first of all, you you have to let your conscience be your guide. Secondly, you need to know the UCMJ. You need to know what your limits are. But the last thing I would say is this. When you reach a point where you just feel like I can't take it anymore, then that's the time for you to leave. But in leaving, that gives you a freedom. I I know that because I'm retired. It gives you a freedom then to to fight back against the things that you see in our military today that are helping to destroy our military and destroy the readiness and making us incapable of winning the nation's wars. There's an opportunity for you. I'm not advocating that everybody go get out of the Army right now or the Navy or the Air Force, Marines or Coast Guard. But what I am saying is when you reach that point, then the honorable thing to do is to leave and and start working from outside. Yeah, I I, I don't want to encourage men and women not to go into our nation's military or to leave our nation's military because of these um, hostile policies toward faith and toward the founding principles of America. Because if they leave, the vacuum that's created with their departure will make the situation even worse. We want men and women who are salt and light to be in our nation's military, even if, and and quite frankly, they're going to have to fight the enemy within. Uh, as well as without. But that is our calling as followers of of Jesus Christ. You you need to recognize also when when the Christians all bail out or don't come in at all, what we wind up with is a mercenary force. Right, Because that ethic that I mentioned at the beginning of the program that Jesus talked about in John, greater love hath no man than to lay down his life for his friends. That is still ingrained in the DNA of America because of our Christian foundation. But if Christians abandon any realm, and we talk about this in education, we want Christian teachers. Uh, We obviously want Christians in politics, but we need Christian men and women in the military. And Travis, this what we have been talking about, what we see happening uh, is a result of, of elections. Elections have consequences, and we're living in a time where we have a nation so divided that when one party comes in, I mean, it's 180 degrees. And that's what we're seeing with the policies now. It is. And it's, it's tragic to see what's being pushed on those serving right now. You know, But as we're talking about, it is crucial within the limits of conscience for those 
uh, who can who can maintain an honorable service to continue to do so. Because Tony, if we we see a withdrawal of everyone who 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 disagrees with criminal race theory, for instance. What are you going to be left with the military of people who want to push it? And that's doubly problematic. But the leadership, those that, uh, you know, they've got their 20 years in, they're in the leadership ranks. They are the ones that should be speaking out for especially those young enlisted men and women, those uh, young officers. We need leadership from the godly men and women who have been in the military for a while, and they know this is not good for our nation's military. No, that's right. And you need to understand very clearly what your rights are in the military. And there are there are some things that you you can't say or you can't do. You can't go out and advertise or, or advocate for a candidate. Uh, but there, you've got a lot of freedom in the military, and uh, so know what your freedoms are and uh, and exercise your freedoms until you can no longer do it. And, and, General Travis, great to have you on the program today. Thanks so much for uh, being here. Thank you both for your service to our country. Thank you, Tony, and thanks for your service. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, pray for the families of those who have given their lives in defense of our country and our freedoms and the defense of the freedoms of others uh, around the world. America is a unique place, and it's because of that Christian foundation that is a part of who we are as a nation. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the cultural and the political threats that exist here in America toward those fundamental freedoms. We'll be joined by uh, Mark Harris, and uh, we'll be also be joined by Andrew Brunson coming up. So don't go away. Back with more after this. What is Roe v. Wade and what did it do? The Supreme Court's 1973 decision ruled that abortion is protected under the U.S. Constitution, striking down many state abortion restrictions and severely limiting the extent to which states could write their own abortion laws. The Supreme Court's limitations on states to legislate abortion restrictions depends on the trimester of a pregnancy. For instance, Roe disallows states from restricting abortions in the first trimester, but allows some restrictions on abortions in the third trimester. What Roe doesn't do is require states to have any restrictions. Abortion through all nine months of pregnancy is the default, unless Congress or the individual states pass laws restricting it. That leaves a lot of room for unrestricted abortions. For a full explanation of how Roe v. Wade liberalized abortion laws, go to frc.org explainer. That's frc.org explainer. After the recent wave of media censorship, are you struggling to find a conservative, relevant, and Christian platform where you can find out what's really going on? Here at Family Research Council, we believe that Americans have a right to exercise their freedom of speech and share their stories with the world. If you're ready to hear the facts that the left doesn't want you to know about, then head over to frcblog.com to check out our latest blog posts. We cover a wide range of issues you and your family care about, all written by our policy, government affairs, and biblical worldview experts. We discuss topics that other media platforms won't, like changes in pro-life policy, current events that affect Christians internationally, sexuality from a biblical perspective, and insights into the bigger picture of the shift in American culture. To stay up to date on current news related to faith, family, and freedom, visit frcblog.com. That's frcblog.com. Would you like to spend more time in God's Word? 
Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible with their Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. This reading plan takes you through the Bible as events happen in history. Laying out the scripture every day in an engaging manner, it is key to helping us stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start reading today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. Welcome back to this special Memorial Day edition of Washington Watch. And today, once again, we honor those who have sacrificed their lives while serving in our nation's military. And as we uh, as we honor them, we also contemplate what we are doing to secure those freedoms. We all have a part to play in this. You know, we you often hear me talk about the reason we have these freedoms People have given, in this case, their lives to secure these freedoms. But we have these freedoms when we use them. If we stop using them, we lose them. And and we have a responsibility to protect these freedoms by exercising these freedoms. And we, we were just talking about uh, with uh, General Boykin and Travis Weber, kind of the threats in our nation's military and, and how that is being undermined, which is a real, real threat. It's a it's a it's a national security threat. But we see these same things in the culture. And uh, and I've asked Dr. Mark Harris. He's our national director of community impact here at the Family Research Council and also a new vice president over our associational ministries. And uh, Dr. Andrew Brunson, who is a FRC special advisor for religious freedom. Mark, Andrew, welcome uh, to Washington Watch. Thanks, Tony. It's great to be here. Uh, Mark, I want to start with you because you've you've uh, been a candidate for Congress. You've you've uh, served in many capacities, pastored for thirty years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have been heading up our community impact team effort for a number of years, uh, and now overseeing our ministry to uh, churches, pastors, and other ministries. There are some threats that Christians need to be aware of to these fundamental freedoms that we enjoy. Absolutely. I, you know, you probably don't need to look any further than just what we've experienced over the last 16 months. Um, just coming out of this COVID crisis now, uh, what we went through in those 16 months seemed to be a testing of the waters, it seemed. Every week there seemed to be one more uh, approach being made by the federal government or the state government or even local governments on trying to dictate to our churches of what they could do or what they couldn't do, uh, what they could wear in terms of a mask or what they well, were not allowed to do without a mask. And so, and then even the numbers of people that could meet uh, within a building space. And so, it was a real test. We've been through a testing time in the last 16 months. Do you think that was conditioning? 
Well, <laughs> I think there's a, definitely a case to be made that uh, it, whether it was meant to be conditioning or not, I think that the church has to certainly look at it with a realistic, with their eyes opened for it how sure, we react. It sure revealed to me, you know, as the scripture describes people as sheep, it mm. sure uh, revealed to me that there, there are a lot of sheep that are uh, easily led when the government begins to push these uh, these agendas, which now I think people are beginning to question, mm-hmm. especially as it pertains to, you know, to the mass, to the vaccines, you know, and, and this is where I think our spiritual leaders, our pastors need to be leading the way. Well, there's no question about it. And I'm very thankful for some pastors in North Carolina that uh, when our governor went down this path, uh, they got involved and filed a lawsuit, an injunction uh, that that made it to the courts. And it was uh, there, I guess it was the second or third week in May, uh, when the judge ruled that the uh, court did or that the governor did not have the power to uh, limit the churches on whether they could meet or not. And the very that came down on a Friday night and Sunday morning, the churches were opened again in North Carolina. Most of them, some of them remain closed, but most of them opened back in it. But it was some pastors uh, working with uh, Attorney David Gibbs out of Texas that took that to the courts and uh, and got the ruling. Andrew Brunson, you and I first met uh, in Izmir, Turkey, where you had pastored for about 20 years ministering to the, the people of Turkey uh, since uh, you, you had a call from God to minister to the Muslim people there. You are no stranger to totalitarian government. Uh, in fact, you were uh, wrongfully charged and put in prison for two years, and that's where we met. I wasn't in prison, but I was visiting you in prison. Um, you and I talked about six months ago, and you sensed the Lord was really putting on your heart a message for the church in America that the Lord is redirecting you to focus and to warn churches in America of what was coming. Yeah, so it's very much been on my heart to prepare people to stand in difficult times because I think that uh, as a church in the United States, uh, we haven't really seen persecution in the past. We don't expect it, and it will come as a surprise to many people. It is rising. I think there's a, a dark, churning tidal wave that's about to break on the church. And you were just talking about... Uh, uh, conditioning. And I, I think of this uh, last COVID period and all the pressures that were unleashed in our society. And uh, I think God, I'm not talking about God causing all of this, but in the midst of this, uh, a friend of mine talked about it as the pressures that we've been seeing. It's like learning to swim against a one mile an hour current. And this is intended to prepare us to swim against a five mile an hour current and even a 10 mile an hour current because these these COVID specific pressures are going to pass. They're already passing. But I think we're going into a time of increased pressures in many areas. And one of them is going to be especially hostility, growing hostility toward people who are faithful followers of Jesus. That's why I think that's so important. And I've told this to pastors that, look, don't think this is a one off, that this thing is over and you can just check the box and move on. I think we need to be learning from this experience in terms of how we do church, uh, how we respond to to government, and, and how we respond to future, um, whether they're man-made uh, disasters, natural disasters, pandemics. When you look at what's happened in the last 20 years, it seems like there's been this uh, continual progression of events, both man-made and natural, that 
it, it really challenging our country and challenging the church. Uh, men, men, we're up against a, a break, but we're going to come back and uh, finish this uh, conversation because, uh, Andrew, I want to get from you preparation. What should the church be doing? What should individual Christians be doing to prepare for what may be coming? I pray that it doesn't, but the signs would suggest that it is. And, and Mark Harris, I want to talk with you as well about what we need to be doing to prevent it by being more engaged in the culture and in our government. Folks, you're listening to a special Memorial Day edition of Washington Watch. I encourage you to go to the website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you to help you live out your faith in a way that will impact the world around you. Don't go away. We're coming back with more right after this. Where do you get your news? Do you have confidence you're getting the full truth? If you want to stay up to date on conservative news and are looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged, then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Stay informed with a trusted source. Again, search Stand Firm to download the Stand Firm app. As the political and cultural landscape of our nation has shifted in a concerning direction, it is so important for Christians to be equipped with biblical answers for the difficult questions of our time. That is why Family Research Council created our Biblical Worldview series. With the political left changing definitions to favor their narrative and to push their agenda, at times it can be hard to decipher what is true. That is why we must hold to the truth of the Bible, which stands the test of time. It holds the truth that does not change. Become equipped to stand firm in the face of cultural and political storms with FRC's Biblical Worldview series. This series dives deep into what the Bible says about some of the most crucial issues of our day. You'll learn what the Bible teaches on abortion, same-sex marriage, the separation of church and state, religious freedom, and the age-old question, should Christians be involved in politics? To access this series, visit frc.org worldview. That's frc.org worldview. Welcome back to this special Memorial Day edition of Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Uh, check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. Joining me in our D.C. studio, Dr. Mark Harris and Dr. Andrew Brunson, talking today about the threats to our freedom. And, and Andrew, I want to go back to you because as we were talking about uh, in the previous segment, but you see on the horizon the potential persecution, the threats that are coming and you and I actually talked about this on our way back to the United States after you were released miraculously. And I don't have time to go into that story. We've talked about it before in the program. But 
uh, we talked about how you weren't prepared, even though you'd read all the biographies of the great men of faith and even those that had gone through great tribulation, they didn't really talk about the the loneliness, the struggle. How should we be preparing to face greater persecution in this country? So I had a very idealistic view of what uh, persecution could be like, and it was much harder than I anticipated. And this is one of the things I, I want to underline with people because sometimes I hear a very optimistic, idealistic view. Well, let it come. It's good. It's going to purify the church. And it, it, it can do that. It yeah. will do that. But it has potential to knock people out if they're not ready. And this is what's really on my heart right now is, is we need to prepare ourselves. So when I talk about preparation, people think, oh, let's buy a generator and let's stock up on food. And, and those are all good practical preparation for some things. I'm not against those. But what we really need is preparation of the heart yes. to get our hearts ready. And there are a number of things one can do with that. Uh, but one of the very important ones is I, I think especially for parents and grandparents, I would say right now, is to begin to prepare children and uh, to make a decision and, and declare it in your home. As for me and my house, we will stand for the Lord and make those decisions ahead of time, knowing that pressure is coming. Make the decisions ahead of time so that when the pressure comes and you're afraid, you don't run, but you stand. Yeah. Another thing that's uh, – I was the only Christian in, in the prison cells I was kept. I was uh, alone in my faith. And it was very, very difficult. The only Christian that I had any contact with for those two years with, was with Noreen when she was allowed to visit me. Now, I survived, but it was much more difficult uh, than it would have been if I'd had someone with me who could pray with me, who could encourage me. So one of the very practical things is focusing on building community with, with a few like-minded friends. And here what's important is to build a community with other people uh, who are committed to being faithful to the yes. Word of God. Yeah. Uh, because... The community you choose can really uh, shape you. And so may this determine I'm going to be faithful to the word of God, faithful to truth, to say about everything what God says about it, and to build community with other people who are committed to that as well. And I think it is, uh, I'm not talking about unity in the whole church. That's very abstract and broad. But to build the loyalty and love and unity with a few believers around you because that will be tremendously helpful in sustaining and difficult times. Yeah. You know, uh, Mark, it reminds me of uh, in our readings recently as in our two-year journey through the Bible, Stand on the Word. We've been just finished uh, Daniel uh, mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago, Daniel 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the reason they didn't bow when the pressure was there is found over in chapter 1 when Daniel said That's they right. did not want to. Uh, to compromise with the delicacies of the king. They wanted to serve the Lord. So you're absolutely right. Now is the time to make those decisions. It's not when the pressure is on, because 99% of the time, if you wait till that point, you're going to make the wrong decision. You've got to think this thing through in light of eternity. I agree with you, Andrew. I think those we're seeing the signs of the increasing persecution. I also agree. I think those people are very naive who say, oh, yeah, it's going to make the church grow. Mm. Uh, they've not seen persecution. Mm. I've not experienced it like you have, but I've seen it around the world as I've traveled the world. 
But, Mark, there's things we can do right now to to prevent this from occurring by being involved, being the salt and the light, the preservative that our country needs. I think there's no question. I think that we do have the opportunity by being engaged. I mean, that's one of the things that Community Impact has been very focused on doing and churches being involved. I mean, when I hear Andrew talking so clearly about the importance of community um, and having a few believers around you that are helping And that's true when you think of it on the larger scale as well. Having several churches, even within a a region or a community, that are standing on the principles of God's Word, the pastors encouraging each other, supporting each other, praying together, reading the Word together, all of those things just build community to be able to stand. And then when we think about the other threats that come, whether it be what our children are dealing with in education, we're seeing Christian schools Churches that are now getting into operating Christian schools that never thought they would do that are recognizing the need to do that now. And some churches don't feel like they can do it by themselves. Several churches coming together and forming a Christian school and working together. There are going to be all kinds of opportunities of doing that. And then citizens stepping up and running for school board. You know, Tony, we're calling for 300 folks to step up and run for school board in their community. I was just out in Fort Smith, Arkansas, here about two weeks ago, meeting with a group of city elders about community impact. And lo and behold, there was a young man there that was running for school board in a primary election that was taking place right then and there. So it's happening. And and these two things are not mutually exclusive. In fact, they're hand in glove. As Mm -hmm. we build community, as we impact the world around us, we're prepared for what Jesus said the resistance, the opposition that's going to come from the world. Andrew Brunson, Mark Harris, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Thank you for having us. Always great to talk with you guys. Check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. More resources there for you. And there's more Washington Watch still to come. We're going to be joined by George Barna and David Clawson of our Center for Biblical Worldview next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday by tuning into Washington Watch on the American Family Radio Network, Bot Radio, the KTLW Radio Network, and independent Christian radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. Since the Supreme Court decided Roe v. Wade in 1973, over 60 million people are now missing from our country due to legalized abortion. Public opinion, our knowledge of law, and scientific advancements demonstrate that Roe should by no means be considered settled law. Roe is an abomination in our country's history. And it's time for the horrendous practice of legalized abortion to end. To learn more about the legal, historical, and cultural reasons to overturn Roe v. Wade, go to frc.org slash Roe. The Equality Act sounds like good legislation and something that ought to have bipartisan support, but it doesn't. Why? Because the Equality Act, paradoxically, would spur inequality. It is Trojan horse legislation that would hinder equality and would massively overhaul our federal civil rights framework. The stated purpose of the bill is to prohibit discrimination on the basis of sex, gender identity, and sexual orientation. 
The real effect of this bill would not be to eliminate discrimination, but to erase the freedom to hold a different opinion. The Equality Act would mandate government-imposed inequality by requiring acceptance of a particular ideology about sexual ethics, while leaving no room for legitimate public debate. Simply put, the Equality Act mandates an anti-life, anti-family, and anti-faith agenda throughout federal law and would be a disaster for all Americans. To learn more about the inequality of the Equality Act, visit frc.org slash Equality Act. Since June of 2015, over 12,000 Christians have been killed in Nigeria. This violence has reached a point at which experts are warning of a progressive genocide specifically targeting Christians across Africa's largest and most economically powerful nation. Yet this violence often goes unreported in the media, and if reported, is seriously downplayed. To learn more about what is actually taking place in Nigeria, along with other countries where Christians face persecution, visit frc.org slash Nigeria. Did you know that Planned Parenthood is the biggest abortion supplier in the U.S.? According to Planned Parenthood's most recent annual report, it committed 354,871 abortions in fiscal year 2019, up by over 9,000 abortions since 2018. According to these numbers, Planned Parenthood aborted 972 babies every single day. To learn more about what Planned Parenthood is really doing, visit frc.org slash Planned Parenthood Facts. This is Washington Watch, and I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Glad to have you with us for this Memorial Day edition of Washington Watch. You know, Memorial Day uh, is not just the start of summer. It's a time to pause and reflect on the great sacrifices made for the freedoms that we enjoy. Sacrifices made by men and women who have put on the uniform to protect our country, defend it, win our freedoms. And freedom requires sacrifice, and it comes at a great cost. Uh, That's true for a nation. It's true uh, for families, it's uh, it's true for everything that has value. Sacrifice is required. But the fight for freedom is never over. And as we were talking about earlier, it's not just those who put on the uniform. It's the moms and the dads who raise the kids. Uh, it's the pastors who step into the pulpit and preach the word of God because it is the truth that sets men free. You can have a nation that has political freedom but be in bondage if you don't have spiritual freedom. And so we all have our part to play. And uh, last week, FRC announced uh, the launch of its Center for Biblical Worldview. And a large part of that is based upon the research by George Barna. He also uh, has joined FRC as a senior fellow. And joining me now in studio is David Clawson, who is the director of the Center for Biblical Worldview, and George Barna, who is a senior fellow here and a researcher for the Center for Biblical Worldview and the director of research at the Arizona Christian University Cultural Research Center. David, George, welcome back to the program. Thanks. Great to be with you. Great to be here. I, I, I want to start, George, with you. So I was just talking about the, the fact that political freedom is one thing, Spiritual freedom is what really makes you free. But in history, it's difficult to have, it's, it's difficult to find an example where you have political freedom that was not preceded by spiritual freedom. And that's one of the things that made our country great, I think, is that when you look at what the founders were trying to do, they realized those two things go hand in hand. So we've got to make sure that what we didn't have in England, we're going to have here. 
and that is that religious freedom first and foremost. If you've got that, then you've got a shot at building something significant politically. And, and at the heart of that freedom, uh, David, is a, is a biblical worldview. I mean, of, of, of having that religious freedom and, and, and exercising it is having an understanding of how to exercise it. Yeah, that's right. And George referenced the, the, the founding. One of my favorite things, Tony, here in D.C. is going to Museum of the Bible. Sometimes I give tours, and part of that section is like the founding documents. They have documents from Roger Williams, who, who was making arguments um, even before the country was founded, the, the soul freedom, this ability to believe what we want to believe and order our lives in accordance with those beliefs was, was fundamental to what it means to be human. And so the, the, that kind of worldview uh, animated those at the beginning, and I think that's what we're going to be fighting for here. It's what FRC has always stood for, but now with the Center for Biblical Worldview, uh, that's what we're, we're wanting to come alongside pastors, come alongside uh, churches and Christian parents to make sure that we are uh, being able to pass the torch of freedom uh, to that next generation. That's, again, we, we launched last week knowing that we're going to have these resources to help pastors uh, make sure that this biblical worldview, which is so important, and they're able to teach their congregation and walk through them through all the challenging moral, political, cultural questions that we face today. I'm going to come back to you, get you to unpack what that looks like, the resources that are available, who can take advantage of the Center for Biblical Worldview. But, uh, George, I want to go uh, back to you. We talked about this last week, but uh, I'm sure not all of our listeners are with us uh, this afternoon. We're tuned in last week. In launching the Center for Biblical Worldview, we did a worldview survey. And uh, share with our listeners some of the uh, the findings in that survey that point to the need for a Center for Biblical Worldview. Yeah, well, of course, Tony, we need to realize that everybody has a worldview. So the question is, which one do they have? And one of the ones that we want to make sure people develop and they live in concert with is a biblical worldview, which means that you are experiencing, you're interpreting, and you're responding to the world based on biblical principles. So we did this survey, and, and of course, at uh, Arizona Christian, we have the Cultural Research Center. We do an annual survey of America's worldviews. We find that 6% of adults in America have a biblical worldview. In this current survey that we did for FRC, as we looked at it, what we found is even though only 6% have a biblical worldview, 51% of adults think they have a biblical worldview. So there is a tremendous mismatch between self-perception and reality. And bridging that gap is part of what we want to do with, with the Biblical Worldview Center, is to help people have a better grip of what does it mean to have a biblical worldview? How do you develop it? What do you do with it? Because even in the survey, what we were finding was that uh, 31% of Americans believe that it's very important to apply your religious beliefs to every dimension of life, not just try to compartmentalize it into your religious life, but that those religious beliefs are meant to impact everything. And, you know, that's critically important because as a basic worldview principle, you do what you believe. So 31% want to do that, but only 6% are. Yeah. So what's, is it they don't know how? 
Uh, they need help. Uh, are they lying? You know, what's the deal? <laughs> it's probably all of the above to different uh, degrees. You know, but we know that when we talk with people about biblical worldview, that's one of those terms where the eyes start to glaze over. They don't really know what it is, which is intriguing to me because what that says is probably in our churches and in our homes, we're not addressing this very directly, and we need to be doing that. The other reality is that um, when we do our research with pastors, for instance, we find that more than four out of five senior pastors of Protestant churches across the country say they're doing an excellent or very good job at helping their people develop a biblical worldview. Then when we survey their congregations, we find that less than one out of five actually have a biblical worldview. So again, there's this disconnect between what we think we're doing and the impact that it's having. Simply preaching nice, even biblical sermons doesn't develop a biblical worldview. And one of the reasons is because the worldview develops between the ages of 15 to 18 months and 13 years of age. It doesn't change much after that. So this is really, uh, you, you have to focus on the children. Uh, if, if you're going mm-hmm. to develop a biblical worldview. Now, would this be why the left is so focused on our children? Absolutely. It's also why Madison Avenue is focused on our children. Why does their advertising target young people? Why don't they advertise to old people? Because they know if we can get them thinking, consume, consume, consume when they're young, and that particular lifestyles are the way to go, they make it very attractive, that changes them for life. What we found, I I did a longitudinal study looking at worldview, and one of the things that came out of that was that most Americans will die with almost exactly the same worldview that they had at the age of 13. Mm. It doesn't change very much unless the Holy Spirit comes in and does a miraculous work in somebody's life, and that happens. And that's what we want to try to facilitate. But generally speaking, those younger ages are are the critical ages. So, David Clausen, how are you going to solve that problem with the Center for Biblical Worldview? (laughs) (laughs) A a lot of prayer, obviously. Um, but, But, Tony, what I'm so excited about with the Center for Biblical Worldview is we are going to be coming alongside pastors and churches and Christian leaders to provide resources. One of the the stats in George's survey that he did for us last week is that 81% of those who attend evangelical churches uh, believe they have a biblical worldview. Uh, The survey showed that only 21% actually do. And and so that could be sobering. That's kind of disappointing. But, again, I view that as an opportunity. 81% who attend evangelical churches, they think this is a good thing, that, that this is something they want to probably do. And so what we're going to do is be producing a whole bunch of resources from books to booklets uh, to video series, a curriculum. One of the things that I'm hoping to really work on this summer, uh, Memorial Day is the start of summer. This summer, one of the things we're going to do is producing curriculum for children. Uh, I believe that parents are the uh, chief disciple makers in their home, that they have that responsibility. Uh, George, his research has shown that by the age of 13, one's worldview is crystallized. That's the worldview that they'll have for the rest of their life. We need to be providing resources to parents uh, to be leading their children to think about all of these issues through the lens of Scripture. Because uh, if, if we're not getting the kids, they're going to they're gonna be learning about all these issues out there from Hollywood, from school. Uh, and if they're not hearing about it from the home and at church, we're, we're going to lose this next generation. George, looking through the numbers, um, were those that said they had a biblical worldview and that those that were able to integrate their faith with their public walk, they were best able to do that when it came to 
relationships, you know, in the family and in the church. But they struggled in some areas, um, and I think they're key areas. What were they? Yeah, I mean, the biggest area of struggle, frankly, was their entertainment and news choices. And other research that I've done related to what influences us to think what we think and do what we do shows that it's really your media exposure that determines so much about your worldview because that's such a powerful influence on how we understand the world, how we want to respond to the world, how we want to be positioned in that kind of a context. And, and also the messages we hear, you know, if they're affirming, they strengthen us. And, you know, if we have a biblical worldview or we're trying to achieve a biblical worldview and the messages we're hearing are affirming what we know to be true, then we're bolder in that stand. But if they're in contrast or in conflict with that view, we often shrink back. We do. And that's why it's so important that when somebody's young, you get that foundation that you can draw on so that when you're exposed to that kind of conflicting information, it's really not that much of a conflict. Right. Yeah, well, uh, th that's why you never want to watch a news program with my family. Uh, because it is it's one critical comment after another. Yeah, and I have to say, you know, raising our girls, we understood this, you know, because I was doing the research. And so every time we'd watch a movie, you know, I'd, I'd unpack the movie afterwards yeah. for them. And That's... after a couple years of this, I said, Dad, we don't want to watch movies with you anymore. <laughs> it's no fun. <laughs> Actually, someone who's really good at that uh, is Dick Bott. Uh, from Bot Radio Network. I've uh, been at his place before, and he'll watch a movie, and he'll stop it right in the middle of the movie <laughs> and analyze it. And, and But that's what it, it takes to critically think. And we've lost that, especially our young people, because thinking skills are not developed in our schools anymore. We're spoon-fed. And, and that's a part of what the Center for Biblical Worldview is going to help parents embark upon this journey of developing a biblical worldview. No, it is, Tony. One of the, the thoughts that one of the projects we're thinking about doing is producing resources uh, for young couples uh, after they have their first child, and then, you know, they're going to dedicate that baby. A lot of evangelical churches will do a baby dedication or a, a baptism. But even at that young age, giving them the resources to, to think about these, uh, these, these issues. Because, again, if you wait till high school to start talking about worldview, you've already lost the, the child. Right. And so we, we need to start uh, from a very, very young age. And, and that's what we're going to be doing over these next couple of months and, Lord willing, years, providing these resources to come alongside and equip uh, faithful parents. You know, George, uh, having pastored a church before and, and been around churches for a long time, you know, children's ministries are usually the area that pastors focus the least upon. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like they need to be the area where pastors focus the most. If there is one thing you could suggest to our pastors, uh, the pastors are listening, other church leaders that are listening to the program. If there was one thing they could do to to really begin to develop biblical worldview, take this message seriously, what would it be? Uh, to realize that the issue isn't simply to be preaching good or interesting sermons to adults. The whole point of that is to be equipping parents 
to be the pastors to their own children. Mm -hmm. And so to be thinking about what can I be building in to parents and grandparents so that when they're with their children, they've got the mindset of here's my opportunity to be shaping the mind, the heart, the soul, the life of this young child. As a parent, that's my primary responsibility. It's nobody else's, and I can't subcontract that out. And, and, and a lot of this is, is no more than having questions or having conversations mm-hmm. and, and, and asking you know, questions about what did you just see and, and, and what does the Bible say about that? And it's just it's developing that idea where the first thing that someone thinks, this is how I define a biblical worldview, as soon as you see, see something, you're thinking through Scripture, where does this fit in the context of Scripture? And how do I respond? And as we've done research over the years on discipleship, one of the things that consistently comes out is that the most effective approach is taking a Socratic approach to it, where you're not telling them, no, 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 this is what you're supposed to believe, asking them what they believe, why they believe it, what it looks like, what the implications of that have been as they've tried to carry that out, and then talking to them about alternatives and how that fits with Scripture. Yeah, I think when it comes to kids, we need to move away from Bible stories and move to biblical truths. Yeah, amen. Uh, David, how can people find out more about the Center for Biblical Worldview? Yeah, we launched a new webpage last week, Tony, frc.org slash worldview. You can see an introductory video explaining what the center is about, what we're going to do, and our resources. We have booklets, we have articles, we have blogs, and uh, that's the place to go to, to find all the resources we're going to be releasing uh, over the next weeks and months to come. Uh, David, uh, George, exciting stuff. Um, obviously challenging when you look at the numbers. But I like a good challenge. You got it. <laughs> well, and uh, the future, I think, of our, our country really hinges on uh, addressing this issue. Uh, guys, thanks so much, and uh, have a, a great Memorial Day. Thank you, too, Tony. And, folks, I want to thank you for joining us as well. I want to encourage you to visit the website, TonyPerkins.com, and follow the links over. And check out FRC's new Center for Biblical Worldview and uh, take advantage of those resources, and there'll be more and more and more to come. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.